Welcome back, everybody. We continue to roll along all the way till three on a glorious Friday here in the capital city. It's always a good day when we get a chance to hang out with Zubin Mahente of ESPN. He joins us, of course, on the Draft House 50 Hotline Mills Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Hello, Zubin. How you doing after last night's big extravaganza? You know what's interesting? There's so much run-up to the NBA draft. And as much as I like the NBA, Jim, I know you like the NBA trends getting on board with the NBA slowly but surely. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things where um, after it's over, it's just sort of like, okay, it's over. Let's move on to free agency. With the NFL draft, it's always like it's a three-day affair. Then come the free agent. Then who won? Let's look ahead to 2018. There seems to be more legs, if you will, to the NFL draft. Anticipation for this year's NBA draft, I know it's the deepest in a really long time, was interesting, but it's amazing. It's over and we're moving on. You know, for me, it it had a lot of drama just because it had references to our area with the Bulls and the Minnesota Timberwolves cutting that deal for Jimmy Butler as he reunites with Tom Thibodeau. Zubin, this this will make it, um, I think, a very interesting time with Fred Hoiberg in Chicago and now in a total rebuild and with Tom Thibodeau now in Minneapolis and a team that is now striving to become a playoff team. Yeah, I think two things from that, Jim. The first thing I take away is that uh, tongue-in-cheek, uh, you, can't, you don't have Fred Hoiberg to kick around anymore. It's not his fault. You know what I mean? Right, yep. This team wins 30 games next year. It's not his fault. This year they got the eighth seed. They underachieved. You couldn't get Wade to work with these guys and those guys. And is Jimmy Butler the man? He's not the man. Why won't they commit to him? Um, and I don't think Fred's going to have those issues to deal with anymore because he's simply going to say, and I think Trent and I have talked about this previously, you know, Trent had made a good argument that you could argue he didn't have the roster last year right. to win. And they somehow snuck into the eighth spot, not that, not that exactly getting the eighth spot in the East is such an arduous thing, or frankly, in the West, but they got into the playoffs. Whatever that means, they got themselves into the playoffs. I mean, we once saw the Carolina Panthers get into the playoffs with a 7-8-1 record. So if you're in, you're in. But I think this time around, you know, Trent's argument can be accentuated even more. Like, I really have nothing here. I'm really bereft right now. I just had a guy who's 35 years old coming off the worst year of his career pick up a $24 million option on himself, and there's nothing we can do about it mm-hmm. with Dwayne Wade. So you look at that situation for Fred, and you say to yourself, I don't know what the situation is with him moving forward. I can't imagine, you know, Gard told him it was going to be like this. You guys know his relationship going back to Iowa State with Gard. Gard couldn't have told him it was going to be like this. That's the one thing I think. The other thing, Jim, I think, is it just says a lot about this league, and I, I think this is a good thing, by the way, that um, – there is more anticipation <laughs> for the 2018 free agency season. Uh, I don't see that in any sport. I mean, you can look ahead to NFL draft in 2018, but right now people are already jumping past the 2018 regular season in the NBA, which who knows might see the Warriors win back-to-back. Who knows what the Cavs will look like. There are more people excited about the 2018 offseason, yes. and we haven't played a minute of the regular season. That To me, that is very good the league because it makes sure the league is consistently top of mind with fans like you and I and your listeners, even though there's really no games being played at the moment. It is good for the league in a way, bad for the league on the other side because 2017-2018 seems inevitable once again. I mean, could you look at it from the other side of things and this not being very good for the league as a whole? 
I think the Warriors are fine. Obviously, we've referenced uh, Draymond and Steph and Clay and Durant are all in their 20s. Uh, Steph will be 30 soon, so I'll have to come up with a new stat for you. But right now, I could go with that one. <laughs> but, but, but I would tell you that I don't, Trent, I, I don't think it's a given at all what's going to happen with the Cavs right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, with this Chauncey Billups situation hanging over them, this uh, LeBron situation hanging over them, Paul George hanging over them, obviously LeBron's a little bit more far-term. Um, obviously, if there were to be a move made, would Kyrie be moved? Doubtful. Would Kevin Love be moved? That seems more feasible. So I'm not ready to pencil the Cavs in just yet, even though at this particular juncture, they obviously, as currently constituted, look like the best team uh, in the Eastern Conference. But I think one thing everybody seems to agree on is that the Cavs are going to come back looking different. They obviously hope they'll fortify. I mean, the whole, uh, whole idea here is to close the gap between them and the Warriors. But you never know how that stuff is going to turn out. You never know how much you're going to disgruntle people. So I agree with you. It certainly looks like we're going to be having the fourth encounter between these two in the NBA Finals. But I don't know what the Cavs are going to look like. And until that becomes more clear, um, I think I would hold off on that. But if you, if you said right now, let's do it, I'd certainly do it. But it just seems to, it seems to be the notion that the Cavs are in for some sort of shakeup, which is really strange. Because teams that generally go to the NBA Finals um, need a tweak. Mm-hmm. They don't need major wholesale changes, and it seems like this team has resigned itself to major wholesale changes. Zoom Mahente is our guest on the Draft House 50 Hotline, Mills Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Okay, Zubin, there were four players who were pretty much eligible for the draft yesterday. Only one gets selected. It's pretty much the consensus pick that everybody thought it would be. That's Monte Morris of Iowa State. He ends up going to Denver with the 51st selection. However, both or all three, Peter Jock, Devontae Burton, and Jeremy Morgan, all got free agent contracts, and it looks like they will play in the Las Vegas Summer League. Now, from the three major schools, that's not bad as far as out of the state of Iowa with four guys having a chance to be in the uh, in the NBA. And Naz Long also. Oh, Naz, too. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I forgot about Naz as well. Yeah, you know, to me, I look at it two ways. I think, um, I think for Monte Morris, I would have picked him higher. I, I just think he's a winner. I really do. I, does he need a little more frame on him? I think he does. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. There's no question about that. Um, but his assist-to-turnover ratio, again, this is college basketball. It's the Big 12 versus the NBA, and obviously there's a huge jump to be made. But I would say that his ability to take care of the basketball is, is paramount for most teams. What's really interesting is I used to cover the Nuggets for a really long time, and they really don't know right now. I was actually on the radio last night there. They don't know who their point guard is. Um, is it Moutier? Can it be Jamal Murray? Gary Harris is more of a defensive player, as you guys know, from the Big Ten. Um, so I'm not saying they drafted Monte Morris to be their starting point guard in the second round. That seems a little unrealistic. But they definitely have a hole at the point guard position. And if Morris, who's done nothing but overachieve pretty much his entire career, uh, can come in there and spark them, I don't think at all it's a bad situation. I think that's like a, a brilliant situation for Tim Connolly and the Nuggets. I think that's an excellent situation for them. As for Jock, um, you know, I think Jock is just a smaller version of Harry Giles. Like, what could have been? And I'm, by the way, I'm not saying I think Giles' ceiling is much, much higher. Mm-hmm. But I make that comparison. I'm just saying... Could have been amazing. Everybody was after him, got hurt. Everybody sort of said, I'm not sure anymore. 
Uh, Giles obviously seems to have a bigger upside. Everybody calls him the best prospect since LeBron. I was talking to our chat board about that a few days ago. But Jock, to me, just seems like the sort of guy that was totally trending in the right direction. Of those four individuals that you mentioned, there was a certain point where if you said everybody, one of these guys is going to stay healthy, and you guys are there. This is just what I'm seeing from afar. Jock is going to have the highest ceiling because he was the most sought-after player. Uh, I still think he can score. Obviously, his explosiveness is probably not where it used to be. Um, but then again, neither is Giles after three knee surgeries. So I think for Monte, it's a great situation. Is there a team that could definitely use one of his skill sets? And for Jock, I think he's super talented. It's just a matter of, you know, injuries happen to everyone. And unfortunately for him, they happened at the front end of his career instead of at the back or in the middle there. Talking with Zubin Mahete, ESPN. Zubin, uh, with the NBA draft in the books, we still got a month before the next major golf tournament. We still got a few weeks before the SEC, uh, the SEC media days for football. These next two weeks, we, t- we hear about All-Star break being the most difficult for us in sports media. These two weeks might even be a little worse than that. What are you guys going to be talking about over at ESPN? <laughs> well, I think there's a couple things, for sure. Um, big series starts tonight. I think a lot of people are, once again, it's baseball, so you got to get people fired up for it. But, mm-hmm. um, this Rockies-Dodgers series is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. If you look at the National League West right now, that's the best division in baseball. There's a real good chance that all three teams, Arizona, Los Angeles, and Colorado, are going to go to the playoffs um, tonight on the same diamond. I mean, think about this. Bellinger, I mean, Arenado, Bellinger, and Seeger on the same diamond. That's pretty good. One thing I would tell you about the All-Star break, though, is you sort of work your way towards it. I was actually discussing this with, the, with my boss, actually, the other day. And this is what I think can really help baseball, besides the notion that you guys got the Cubs and as long as they continue to play the way they are, they're going to be a story. Because as you guys know, sometimes really good is a story and sometimes so is really frustrating. But I think one thing that Judd, my boss, told me the other day, I thought was a really, really salient point, was oftentimes people use the Major League Baseball trade deadline as a way to get into the playoffs, right? I mean, if the Twins feel like they can hang around, it looks like they're fading. But if they feel like they have enough room, maybe at the deadline, maybe July 31st, they make a move. Same thing with the Royals, who started to play a lot better baseball after a pretty miserable start. Would they say to themselves, you know what, let's use the deadline, let's see if we can grab the second wild card, then who knows what could happen. This year, especially in the National League, where it really looks like it's pretty much determined other than the National League Central winner, I think you're going to see the trade deadline act not as a mechanism for teams that are going to use the trade deadline to get into the playoffs, but instead for the teams that are almost already guaranteed a spot, like Washington, for example, and they're going to use the deadline to fix their weaknesses. Like I said, you often see teams, let's get one hitter, let's get one pitcher or two hit pitchers and two hitters, and let's get over the hump and get in and take our chances. I think if you're Washington, you kind of know you're in, but your bullpen's a mess, so let's figure this out before we get there. Colorado needs some leadership. The Dodgers are pretty stacked. Arizona needs a little leadership, too. Goldschmidt's having a great year. But I think you're going to see this deadline, especially in the senior circuit, go much more towards the teams that are in and strengthening their case to win the World Series versus trying to use the deadline to sneak in. I think it's a pretty interesting point. Zub is our guest on the Draft House 50 hotline. Let's stay with baseball. Last night, Yankees, Aaron Judge with another home run last night. He's got 25. Is Major League Baseball maybe hoping, in order to gain more respectability, maybe more fans, 
that you could get home run derby again. I I noticed Paul Manfred came out and said the ball's not juiced. Uh, so uh, is that what they're hoping for? Because chicks dig the long ball. Yeah, I mean, it's the easiest plan right now if you're a marketing plan. Young, telegenic player, league's most iconic team, largest market, most identifiable thing in baseball. Check, 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 right? I mean, every single one of those checks off for Aaron Judge. So, yeah, I think it's great um, for baseball. But I think it's also one of those situations where in order for this to be a real situation, they're going to need to make the playoffs because by the time – People really want to tune in and see somebody like this. You need the largest group of people around to watch it. And that obviously is going to be the playoffs. There's been a lot of discussion about how even playoff ratings have been really down. Last year year notwithstanding, obviously, the Cubs brought in a ton of casual fans. But if it's not the Cubs this year, or even if it is the Cubs this year, and the story's not nearly as good because of the 108 years, you're going to need somebody like that on the biggest stage in baseball. What really helped Jeter was the fact that he was also telegenic, was amazing, was clutch played for the most iconic team in the biggest market. He had all those things Judge had going for him, but he also won the World Series five times. So you saw him in October a lot. You saw him at a point, and remember, early in his career, like in the 90s, I mean, people were still watching baseball on TV. So it's one of those things where he had a little bit more of a push. So I think the Judge story is awesome. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see him at the actual home run derby, which obviously he was entered in earlier this week. But the biggest thing is the Yankees have got to make the playoffs, A, because it's been a while since they made the playoffs, but B, um, in order for him to get the full effect, I think people need to see him on the biggest stage. And it certainly looks like the Yankees are in line to certainly be a contender for a playoff, but I wouldn't rule them out by any stretch of the imagination. But he's got to get to October. His team's got to get to October to I get, the, get the full effect of what he's really been able to do. I mean, I was talking to our Jessica Mendoza, one of our baseball analysts. You know, she was on Good Morning America a couple of weeks ago, or maybe less than two weeks ago. And, you know, she lives out in California. She's waking up at 4.20 Pacific time in the morning to talk about Aaron Judge on Good Morning America. You know, that's really hard, as you guys know, to get sports into those types of big morning shows with all the stuff that's happening in the world right now. But he has definitely crossed over to being beyond a sports star. It's always good, pal. We know you got things to take care of in beautiful Bristol. We'll catch up with you next week. Thank you, Zubin. Take care. Have a good weekend, guys. Thanks. See you. There you go. Zubin Mahenta, ESPN on the Draft House 50 hotline. Quick break. We're coming back, everybody. Jimmy B and TC, it's the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back. It's Jimmy B and TC here on the Big Talker 1700. We go back out to the Draft House 50 hotline, and that's where our man Wolfgang is standing by. He is here to talk a lot of different things. we got the PTL going on, NBA draft. There's always something to talk about, and a big football recruiting weekend also uh, for the Hawkeyes coming up this weekend, Wolfgang. So, Always a lot to talk about, even when there isn't actual you know, big, important games happening. We always find things to hit. Absolutely. Love talking about the PTL. We were even, I texted you after we talked about the PTL on Tuesday, and I was like, I wasn't even close to done. I mean, I, I'm so pumped about this team. And then, yeah, with recruiting, you got to bring in the players, whether it's basketball or football. So that's that's huge. you gotta get you got to get the players. No offense. I mean, you can develop them, but... At some point, some of these high school players are better than other ones. and uh, But uh, we've done an unbelievable job of developing players, both basketball and football. Luca Garza. Big game his first time out. Another mm-hmm. big one last night. 26 points, knocked down a three. Had uh, 14 rebounds in the game. Let's start with the big man. Not going to wow yep. you with athleticism. 
not going to jump out of the gym. But you can tell just as a guy that hasn't even played as a freshman going into his freshman year, he has the look of a guy that just understands the game of basketball. Yes, he looks like he understands the game of basketball, and he also looks confident. So sick and tired of having guys on this team that you had to pat on the butt way too much, in my opinion. Some of these guys, okay, you got to, and it doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't make them bad people that they don't, they aren't hardcore confident in their belief. Not everybody can be, you know, hardcore Kobe Bryant or Connor McGregor or the guys that have the most unbelievable uh, belief in themselves. Not everybody can believe that. So it doesn't make them bad people, but I don't want them on our team anymore. I want guys, like you're saying about Garza, he looks confident. He, I don't think he's going to be outmatched in the Big Ten. Um, he is going to get his shot blocked. I'll tell you that. That is going to happen, but he does have good um, positioning, uh, both on offense and defense. I can't wait to see what he does on defense because if you're reading some of these articles, Trent, love hearing these quotes from the players, defense, defense, defense. They're bringing it up. They're like, hey, we need to even practice this, um, you know, in the PTL versus when we go overseas. They get it. They understand. Fran has made it clear that, you're not going to reach your ceiling unless you start playing defense, and they haven't been. They, it's not like they didn't always give their best effort, but sometimes you need to have a little experience. You need to watch more game film. I loved Bo Hannon. Did you read some of his quotes saying, you know, I got to watch, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about my lateral quickness. Do I need to improve that? Yeah, is basically what he's saying, but I need to watch more film and watch these guys I'm going against and what they like to do. Love to hear that trend. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. And he was a freshman. As yes, he was not very good defensively. This is not trying to paint, you know, Bohannon in, in some kind of positive light. He was not good defensively, but he was a freshman. And you you make a big jump on the defensive end. I think that's one thing that people maybe sometimes overlook. A guy like Bohannon that went out there and scored with his defensive problems that he had. You can make a big jump, and that's such a big gap between high school and the collegiate level. A lot of times it's not on the offensive end. It's on the defensive end and what you have to do on that side of the court. And it'll be interesting to see you know, how much Bohannon can improve on that end because he's not, no. Is he an uber athlete? No. But it's not like the guy's slow, right? He's not no. slow by any means. Here's the thing. He's not the same athlete that Mike Cassell was. And Mike Cassell, for all the knocks against him, finishing at the rim, the shooting touch that never came around, the missed free throws late in the game, one thing you can't take away from him, he was incredibly athletic, and he was a good defender. And you can get there. He's not the same level of athlete as Gasell, but he's still good enough. He can get by. We're not talking about some slow-footed guy. He's not Kent McCausland. How about that? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people don't get that about Gasell. That guy, if you ever went to like the Midnight Madness crap or something like that, the dunk contest, that guy could throw down. I think, I'm not 100% sure, he had the best vertical on the leap around 34, something like that. I don't know if you remember that, mm. but it, it, he was close up there. Nobody would think that probably, right? Unless you saw him at the dunk contest, and he could throw down. Or he saw the, the, guy, the dunk against Ohio State that he had on the road a couple years ago. <laughs> that thing was nuts. No, and it's it's... You gave me a little homework assignment, and I'll be honest with you, this, this is not, not a fail, incomplete. I don't know. I'm, I'm stuck. I have no idea 
how to get all these players into the 200-minute thing unless we're going to play six guys at a time. We're going to play the, uh, you know, the six women's, six girls high school basketball game, you know, or something like that. I can't figure out the math and how to do it, especially with how much I think we like Garza, right? How much I think we like Nunge. Um, do we just flat out give up on Yule? I don't know. Do we, who, who it's not going to work out. I don't understand how in the world did you, did you even sit down and try to think about this? If you didn't, no big deal. But I'm, I did, and I, just, I cannot figure it out. I'm with you. It's it's an exercise in futility, and we're probably going to run through that. That might be a conversation next week, trying to figure out how to divvy up these minutes and do it. I know John Miller's been working on it. He must be listening to us over there because he's uh, he's taking what we're talking about over there at Hawkeye Nation. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, it's tough. It's really tough to figure out exactly how this team, how you're going to play out these minutes because of the depth you have in the front court, the question marks that you still have in the back court. It's a near impossible exercise, is what I'm getting at. Yet we're going to try to do it. How about that? And, and think, I mean, he, okay, he's a millionaire. Okay, great, love the coach. But I, I've been saying for, I literally think that you can have too many players. And if you remember Steve Alford, he he was terrible at that. He stunk when he actually had less players. He was a better coach yeah. because he didn't have to make the decisions. You know what I mean? I, I know that sounds completely stupid that you would want less players. It sounds dumb. But think of the headaches Fran is going to go through. I mean, I think you you're going to have you're going to have Moss um, big time. He's going to up his minutes big time. We got to hope that Iowa fans need to hope that Moss um, is kind of the X factor and brings it other than obviously this the backup poor guard play. We more more of that obviously. But then you got Cook. You got Bohannon, you got um, you got Baron Penzel. So that's probably the five, I'd say six guys, five guys. Those guys are going to get the majority of the minutes. Did I forget somebody? Cook, Bohannon. Those are locks. Those are your, you know you're getting more than 25 minutes a game with them. After that, then your next tier is Bear, Moss. Mm-hmm. Did you say Penzel? I don't know. I don't don't know, Wolfgang. If, if you're talking about in that next tier, I think he's kind of in another tier. I, I think that'd be your second tier, Baron Moss. So there's four guys. And then you get into that quagmire that is the front guy, you know, the real, the big guys out there. I don't know. I don't know how you divvy up those minutes. Ahmad Wagner, what, what if the offense starts to come around? We know what a defender and an athlete he is. What if that starts, he gets that figured out? What if Nunji's just too good to keep off the floor? Same thing with Garza. What happens to Cordell Pemsel? Does Cordell Pemsel become a guy that plays 18 minutes a game and just an energy guy? Maybe. Maybe. And oh, we saw so not, much I upset. love his moves down low, Trent. I love his moves. He's going to get that free throw thing figured out. He may end up having a mid-range game. You like this guy. You saw him in I high do. school. You were, you were the one that was bringing him up before yes. anybody and kind of saying, this guy's underrated. Quit overlooking this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say he's one of the five guys that gets the most minutes you disagree on that I just think it's too difficult to say right now I I know it's kind of a cop-out and I hate doing that but it's this is one of the more difficult local exercises that I've ever had to go through talking just just about how things are going to work out I think for the most part though we can disagree with things 
we have a pretty good idea how things are going to play out. You know, for football at Iowa, the quarterback position, Iowa State, you know, how that offensive line is going to come out. There might be some disagreement in there, but for the most part, we have a good feeling. With this Iowa basketball roster, and especially just making it the front court, when you're just talking about your front court players, trying to figure out how those minis are divvied up, you could come up with hundreds. I'm not, I'm not joking. Hundreds of different combinations, and and nobody could say you're wrong because we just don't know. It is so difficult, and we don't. And I and I I hate doing this, but again, we have to figure out where the minutes. We got to get down to two hundred, obviously. So you got to figure out Wagner. I really enjoy his defense, and I enjoy his toughness. He has hands made of cinder blocks. He has some of the worst hands I've ever seen. He will never be a good free throw shooter. He will never be a good shooter. Now, I will say there was a few times last year I went, "Oh, okay, maybe there, maybe we can, maybe like you said earlier five minutes ago, maybe Wagner can do this." I, I don't, I'm not betting on it. Okay, I'm not betting on. It. I think the other guys have more upside, but again, we have to look at the defense. Like we keep pointing out, and are the only ones it seems like. Yeah, and he plays defense. He, he plays tough, and he brings that. You know. He brings something that maybe, well, no, we actually have tough guys. Pemsel's a badass. Cook will look you in the eyes and want to kill you. I mean, some of the looks, I, I'm not used to this with Iowa basketball. I'm used to guys kind of like not looking you in the eye and kind of being, I'm not saying wimpy, but Pemsel's not a wimp. Cook's not a wimp. You can look at Bear and say he's a wimp. He's no wimp. That guy, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that plays his bleep off and is scared of nobody. He, that's the kind of player I'm looking for. He is scared of nobody, Trent. And look at him. I don't know what he can bench, but it, it's not much more than Kevin Durant. No, you're, you're right on that one. Yeah, it's absolutely. Hey, uh, I was looking here. You're speaking of defense. Best defender on the team in terms of defensive rating from last year. Who do you think? No, I, I, no offense. I, you know I love analytics. I think that defense stuff, Mm-hmm. I think it's, and I've listened to coaches talk that believe in the analytics, and they, they haven't figured the defense thing out yet. I mean, because you play that free safety sometimes in defense, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not necessarily going to buy anything you're going to say right now on defense. Okay. Well, this is just. I'm just, I'm just openly going to say that. For argument's sake, this is a defensive rating, an estimate of points allowed per 100 possessions. Okay? okay. Nicholas yep. Bear was the best, 99.5. And you would think that, probably. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fair. I would say that, yeah, without even looking at the numbers. I agree. Ryan Creener was uh, tied for second with Cordell Pemsel. So there's Pemsel and showing up. Pretty good defender. I'm not sure Creener had enough minutes right. to... Right, and, that, and that's one you know that I, mean? I kind of... Yep, small sample size. Same, Macy Daly's up there, even smaller sample size. I don't think that one <laughs> yeah, matters. Come on. okay, but next, Ahmad Wagner, who we okay. just talked about. Defense matters. There's Ahmad Wagner. Uh, your first guard on the list, Christian Williams. Tyler Cook after that. Dom Ewell, Isaiah Moss, Jordan Bohannon, and uh, last on the team, Brady Ellingson. Kind of plays out like yeah. you'd expect, right? Yeah, So, and I love, so what you're saying, yeah, I love the quotes from Bohannon. And I'm going to watch tape, I'm going to watch film. I don't think it's a lack of quickness thing. And he said, well, I'm not going to say it's not a lack of quickness thing laterally, but he, he's working on it, and he thinks he can get better at it, and I love it. 
the fact that somebody knows his weakness, stay in front of the guy. I mean, there's a numerous times where all he had to do was stay in front of the guy and he didn't do it. Okay. And I, again, love the kid. I mean, totally went over and beyond our expectations of what we thought Jordan Bohannon would be. And I told you on Tuesday, he misses a three pointer now. And I'm like, what? Okay. Something happened. The basket moved or something, but he's got to get better on defense, especially if he's going to, he'll be what? Low thirties movies. Well, Around 30, probably, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. You know, so if he can just get better, because you said he was second to last on defense in terms of those analytics, mm-hmm. if he can just stay in front of his guy, get back on defense and hustle, which he does, um, but staying in front of his guy, he's he has to do, because it breaks down everybody else, and then everybody else is made to look bad. And I don't understand how those analytics are done, I just know enough guys that I respect that know that essentially some of that defensive analytics stuff is BS. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, to be honest, I don't know how any of these numbers come up. I just think they're interesting to take a look at. More than anything. <laughs> you know, another defensive number that I'm looking at here. Uh, people want to find it. They can find it over at sportsreference.com. That's where I'm finding these numbers. People yeah. want to dig in a little bit deeper. Uh, but they have their defensive box plus minus, which is an estimate of their defensive points per 100 possessions uh, contributed to a league average player. So at the top end, you got Nicholas Bear. He's plus 5.7 points. Uh, Defensively, Ahmad Wagner next, Cordell Pemsel. Again, Christian Williams up there. The thing that jumped off the page, though, your your bottom of the group of guys that played last year, Isaiah Moss, Peter Jock, Brady Ellingson, Jordan Bohannon. Those are the last four guys that saw minutes. Those are your guards coming back along with Christian Williams. That's why Christian Williams still has an important piece on this team. He's the guy that you can count on defensively. All right. You have, I'm not giving up on him because I respect your opinion on basketball, so I will not give up on Christian Williams and look at his defense because, yeah, defense is huge. Um, so we'll have to see some of the other guys. If they have, you would think you would have the uh, ability to play defense, right? You'd think so, but that guy, I mean, you talk about, he doesn't show up last night. Christian Williams didn't show up last night. Tyler Cook uh, didn't make the trek up to Waterloo last night for the PTL. Mm -hmm. The reports are that there's some bumps and bruises. Okay, we'll take it at face value. But those are three guys that need some reps. Those are three guys you'd like to see out there. Maybe not Cook so much, but certainly the other two. Dom Ewell trying to get himself out of the funk that he's been in for a year and a half now. And also Christian Williams, after not a great start to the PTL in his first game, that's a guy I think is important cog. And uh, not seeing him there, hopefully it's just that small bump and bruise. He'll be back. He'll be able to play here in a week or so. If not disappointing, make the trip up to Waterloo. You know, the I guys, they come down to North Liberty all the time. Make the trip up there if it was that. I agree. I agree. And we don't know if he had summer school or, right, or right. whatever, yeah. you know, any of that stuff. But it'll be interesting, Nunge and Garza, how many minutes they get, uh, 12, 14, 16, I don't know how many minutes, but obviously it's going to take away from other people. You and I, I think, are higher on Kringer than anybody else is. We love his rebounding. We love his in-between shot game. Um, and we love how hard he runs the court. I haven't, quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I have not watched him hard enough on defense. I don't have you. I, I don't know. Is Kringer average? Okay. What is he on defense? 
Hard to tell. You know, again, kind of limited sample size. You mentioned the rebounding component. It's something that has been talked about with him. But, yeah, as a on-the-ball defender, as a post defender, I just don't think the sample size was big enough last year to take a, a grand takeaway from that one. I, I think he is a lot stronger than maybe he got, kind of looks. It seemed like that. I remember a couple of times where you saw him battling inside and he was kind of pushing a big guy off the block. And Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll say that, but, yeah, actual on-the-ball defense, still not sure on that one. Now, the Ellingson, you said he was last in, in the analytics side defense. I think he's a better, a little bit better team defender than I would, than that surprises me a little bit. I think he, I think he tries on defense, and I think he's a little bit better of a team. I, on the ball, yeah, I mean, I go at him every time, okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he's a better team defender. That surprised me a little bit. He's last. Actually, it doesn't surprise me, I guess, but. Um, I don't think he's, I think he'll be okay. And that's, that's another interesting point. His minutes are going to go up. You remember what he did when Peter Jock was out? Mm-hmm. When shooters get a little bit of lather going and they don't have, you know, they get a little more shots going, sometimes you're just going to miss your damn first shot. It just happens. You come in, your hands are cold. Uh, you don't have the lather going yet. You're not in the sink of the game. I think we could see something out of him next year. And he, but he's got to improve his defense if the analytics are anywhere near what you're saying they are. Um, I think he's a little bit better team defender than, than what those analytics are showing. We shall see, but he can shoot the rock. Um, so it will, it'll, it'll be interesting because uh, you watch some of these guys as three point shooting, uh, during the primetime link. And I know it's, there's, it's nothing special. It's, it's exhibition basketball, not even that. You know, it's, it's up and down. It's, but they are hitting them. You know, Kreener hit five of ten, and uh, who was two of two? Cars who was two of two, and there were some other guys. I mean, they hit their three pointers. Now, whether they will start hitting their free throws, Wagner's never going to hit his free throws. He's just not. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that guy's hands are terrible. And the fact that he was going, he had a scholarship offer to be a wide receiver, Trent. I can't imagine that. Well, more of a tight end. I mean, he'd be bolted up to a tight end right now, and I think yeah, that's yeah, I would agree. You know, Kentucky was the one that was uh, looking at him. I know Ohio State was interested as well, kind of late there. But that uh, is certainly uh, the spot they'll be looking here. I'm looking, and I just I wanted to bring up Ahmad Wagner and his free throw numbers. Do you know what they are offhand? I really don't. I just I think he sucks. Absolutely sucks at free throws. Well, you would be right. Uh, his freshman year, 51.4%. Last year, 46.3%. Yeah, I, I just don't remember it being that bad. Good memory out of you, Wolfgang. I don't. Oh, it, I remember it was just a struggle, but not hands. that bad. But we've talked about this, Trent. We've talked about how you know Pemsel's percentages weren't great, mm-hmm. but you you saw the ball eventually look good in his hand. Bobby Hansen had a talk with him. Blah blah blah. I'm not worried about him. I think he'll end up being Cook. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Didn't he come on at the end of the year on free throws? I believe. Sounds he started looking a little bit better, if, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. So maybe he's not a guy that we can give up in terms of free throw percentage, but he's got to get better because he's going to get fouled right. a lot. And so is Pemsel. They need to hit their free throws. They absolutely have to. And Wagner, I when he just goes up to the line, I just, you know, I Cringe. turn it over to uh, some news <laughs> or something. I'm just like, he, and I'm, I feel like I'm being mean, but he just, he has no shot at ever being a good Free throw shooter. He I just hear you. I hear you. Well, uh, let's move off the Hawkeyes and the PTL here as uh, we take a look at the NBA draft. Monte Morris goes. The other local guys do not. 
Uh, but the biggest news, the Bulls trading away Jimmy Butler. You're an NBA guy. Are the T-Wolves a playoff contender with this move? And what in God's name are the Bulls doing? <laughs> I am very interested in the Jimmy Butler thing because I had people calling me and texting me, blah, blah, blah. Is Jimmy Butler going to go to the going to go to the Cavs, and I, I just didn't see it. I like him as a player. I think he plays hardcore defense. I didn't like that he came out and uh, bashed our golden boy during the year saying he wasn't, uh, you know, uh, hard enough on the players. Do that in-house. Okay, Jimmy, do that in-house. you got a rookie damn coach who's a nice guy. All right? Talk to him in private and let him know. He also was, you know, with one of the – badassest coaches ever. Like, I mean, tough. He practices their bleats off. So he's going from that coach to Hoiberg. So I, I get what he's saying, but you don't do that. You don't do that to a first-year coach. I thought that was whack. I thought it was – and the management there likes Hoiberg. They kind of believe in him. I think he's got a better chance to make it than most people think. But do they have the players? Do they have the players? And I don't know. And everybody talks about now in the NBA – you got to rest your guys. You can't have crazy practices like that, or you're gonna, you're just gonna freaking drain out. You can't do that. Um, but as far as Jimmy Butler, yeah, he's a, he is a very good player. I think um, we'll see what happens with Paul George. I think if Paul George went to uh, the Cavs, I think that would probably be the only way that next year is worth watching because you'd have another defender on Durant. You'd have another guy that hits good three pointers, thirty eight percent, whatever, ninety percent from the from the floor, and is not scared, um, and is tall and lengthy and six nine. Um, but as far as that, yeah, the Bulls. What what are the Bulls doing? I have no idea. I have no idea. What was that? What are, are they trying to? So they'll still have Dwayne. They bring in the guy. They bring in the Ducker from from uh, from Minnesota. Yeah, Zach Levine uh, will be there. Chris Dunn, who was a huge disappointment last year. Levine can shoot the three and is incredibly athletic. He can't play a lick of defense. Dunn, pretty good defender, can't do a whole lot offensively. Uh, and then Laurie Markkinen, that, that was one that left me scratching my head. I, I, I like him. I think he, he has a chance to be a decent player. But number seven, when I've seen all these mock drafts you know, throughout the last month or two, having him in the top ten, I never saw that for Laurie Markkinen. And, and to trade Jimmy Butler, essentially, for Laurie Markkinen and a couple of pieces maybe you hope can be all right with Levine and Dunn, that one just left me scratching my head. I mean, at one point, and this is terrible, but you saw what the 76ers did, right? Yep. And now everybody is so high on them. Being mediocre, being in the middle forever, you're going to be in the middle forever, Trent. At some point, you have to decide to rebuild or um, – Make a trade that, hey, we got a shot here to do it. Unfortunately, there is no shot, really, unless, like I say, the Cavs get Paul George. And then you got a shot. It could be fun. It could be interesting. Other than that, I can't see a scenario where the NBA is even watchable next year with, with what Golden State has. I just I can't see it. And, uh, no, we'll see. It stinks because I love when the Chicago teams are good. Twitter is so much more fun. When the Cubs are good and the White Sox are good and the Bulls are good, I love watching it because everybody's so. There, there. Would you agree? There are so many more Chicago uh, fans in in this community than any other. Yeah, it's far and away number one. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I, w- I wasn't sure if I was just doing that because of Twitter or. No, but it's it seems like 
it I, just seems like there are so many more Chicago fans than any other any other city close to us. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that's let's break this down. Let's break this down in our final moments. Okay, let's start with baseball. Cubs are number one. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Far and away, mm-hmm. number one in this market. Who's number two? Is it the Cardinals? Is it the Royals? Is it the Twins? If we're just talking about regional teams, it's not the Brewers or White Sox. We know that. No, it's it's definitely the Cardinals. Although I will say when the Royals got it going a couple years ago, a few years ago, that was fun. And everybody kind of got on the, mm-hmm. the bandwagon. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. But I would I would say Cardinals hardcore, number two. I think it's number two. I think they got a pretty big gap. And then for, for the Twins and Royals, I've seen when the Twins are good in this market and the people that come out. I think I've told you before, they had an event out at uh, – Oh, uh, what's that place over in Clive, uh, the event center over there? And mm-hmm. it was a Twins event uh, right before the season began. And I was shocked at the number of people that are there. Probably Royals, maybe probably edge out the Twins, but it's close there. I would agree. I would give I would give the Royals just a little bit of an edge. Yep, I'd be with you. So let's go to the NFL. Now, this one I think is a little bit more difficult. Again, taking away the national team, so... We're not putting the Cowboys, the Steelers. Packers. It's Packers. You think so, huh? Oh, maybe not. Mm, no, maybe not. It's because the Bears have sucked yes. for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Actually, they went to the Super Bowl against you know Peyton Manning. When was that? What year was that? But that was anyway. 12 years ago. Was it that long ago? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Time flies. Holy cow. Anyway, yeah, then I'm completely wrong. Yeah, the, the Bears have completely fizzled out, although you will see it on Twitter, and I know People that are Bears fans, I would have to believe just because Green Bay is relevant and obviously people hop on the bandwagon mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers is unfreaking real. Seriously. Maybe one of, I mean, the guy is just insane. I would put Packers one, Bears two. Now, we count Denver? Nope. Nope. Don't count. Okay. Because there's a lot of, you'd be surprised how many Denver fans are. The Chiefs count. Oh, absolutely. And the Vikings yeah. count. Those four. Out of those four, the four that surround us, Ooh. Chiefs, Bears, Vikings, Packers. Now, I've talked to uh, a guy that does the buying of NFL merchandise at Shields. Admittedly, Ooh, like this, this. this was years ago. This was probably four or five years back. But at the time, he had told me that the Bears were far and away number one of yeah, what God, they would... sell at yeah. the Des Moines Shields. I was surprised. I would that, believe that. Yeah. Well, you mean you thought the I Packers thought be would be over them? No, no. I th- I thought that the Bears would be one, but he said that they it was far and away number one. That was far a surprising away. Okay. component to me. Now, five years later, as the Bears continue to suck, but you know what? You go to any sports bar <laughs> in this in this market, and I see it all the time. You see Bears jerseys still, and well, they're usually drowning their sorrows in their beer, watching that awful, awful organization. As I say, as a Bears fan. <laughs> try to figure things out. But you do still see a lot of Bears stuff out there. It might be tighter. I, I would guess, though, it's still Bears number one here. Could be wrong. Where do we put the Chiefs? Cause, oh. That's a tough one, too, because I know so many people that have season tickets. That's the incredible part. Like, you have season tickets to the Chiefs? Yeah, yeah. Had them since 1993. Like, what in the world? It's not a bad drive. It's, it's not, not a bad drive. They've got a, good, they've got a good team now, which will be interesting right now. You're a Bears fan, okay, but you're a Minnesota Twins fan. Yes. Min- Am I wrong in saying the Minnesota Vikings took care of their offensive line and are going to be good this year? Am I wrong? They tried to. 
They brought in they, Riley Reef. But they didn't. Okay. They tried to. Riley Reef. I thought there was one more guy that was that was, hey, this will help. This will help Brad. Bradford was getting killed last year. He it was, was embarrassing. Was, yes. Do you remember how they started off when they actually had an offensive line? Mm-hmm. Pretty damn good. They did. They're five and zero. They were defenses elite. They tried. Will it work? The problem with last year with the Vikings wasn't just that their offensive line wasn't very good; is that it, it became injured. So it yes, started, that's what I mean. That's it what I mean. With yeah. the line that I mean, you'd rank maybe on paper the twenty fifth in the league, and then you had a bunch of injuries on top of it, making it far and away the worst in the league. So that's what you get into with the Vikings. Uh, I, I think they'll be. Wait, you're, so you're not buying the offense? Because I think that is huge this year. Yes. Obviously, their running game absolutely sucked last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know you, you poo-poo this, but uh, Bradford had the best completion percentage in the history of the league. I think he's okay. I don't think he's bad. I don't no, think he's don't great. Yep. But, but uh, he's solid. And I think Minnesota, I'm going to do some more homework on the Vikings. And you're telling me you don't think the offensive line? I know it was just because of injuries. That's what I meant. Sure. Yeah. Are you saying before the injuries, what what kind of offensive line did they have? Uh, not great. Certainly the weakness, Good enough. the weakness of their team, but not great is what I would put it at. Okay, so, so Riley Reef and somebody else they brought in, Mike you don't Remmers, think is yeah. going to... Mike Remmers, I, I'm fine with Remmers over on the right. I just don't know if Riley Reef can be a top 10 left tackle in the league. I think he'd be a top 10 right tackle in the league. I don't think he's going to get top 10 left tackle. And what if an injury hits? You know, back behind it, you still got TJ Clemmings back there. He was so bad last year. The depth uh, concerns me. So that's what I get into more. Hey, if they stay healthy, they'll be fine. They'll be in good enough shape, and they got enough that they're going to be a good team. But you're just saying fine and good. I'm interested to see if I think they can win a Super Bowl. So I'm I'm going to go get an NFL football magazine. I'm going to look down this. But I think I think the Vikings have a shot. I don't know who they lost, and but I know that they're going to be more healthy on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing last exactly. year. It was exactly. so sad to watch because those first five games or whatever it was, they looked so good. I mm-hmm. thought, yeah. So maybe I'm just throwing bleep out there, and I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, but not at all. No, not at all. Okay. I like it. I like. It. We'll talk more NFL in the coming weeks. Wolfgang, we are out of time, my man. We will talk again soon. You have a good weekend. All right. All right. Thanks, Grant. See you, man. Bye bye. That's Wolfgang Hawkeye with us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. And that will do it for our show today. We are out of time. Jimmy B and TC will be back with you on Monday. Hope everybody enjoys the weekend. A little sunning and funning. Got the art festival going on this weekend. It's a big one. We talked about that a little earlier. Uh, the reason that it's a big one for me, yeah, the art festival. You guys know me. Art festival in Trent Condon. Two things you normally wouldn't think would work out very well. Uh, Ended up working out very well for your boy back in the day. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday at noon.